before I get started uh, this morning, I just want to make just three announcements real quick. And, and the first one is, is Group Connect. If you are in one of our churches and you don't have a community group uh, today, half our campuses are doing it this morning and half our campuses are doing it this evening. Uh, but, but I want you to go to this thing called Group Connect. And at the end of this thing, you'll have a group, which is amazing. And, and I want to say to you, you cannot uh, experience all that Jesus wants you to experience without being in a community group. And I can't say it any stronger. You just won't go where you need to go and you won't experience what you need to experience. And so find a group. And so go to Group Connect uh, today. Next Sunday, I'm beginning a brand new series that we're calling SOS. And we, we haven't decided yet what SOS stands for. Is it save our soul or save our ship or save our sex, which all of the men said, amen. And uh, is it sex on Sunday? Because we're going to talk about sex on Sundays all through the month of February. Is it Song of Solomon? That's the name of the book we're going to work through. Uh, but, but SOS, brand new series. And for all of you who are married, uh, listen, we're going to talk about sex. What does the scripture have to say about sex? That's another one, scripture on sex. And, and, and so all through the month of February, we're, we're going to do this series. And then the last announcement is this, on the second week of the SOS series, two weeks from today, we are doing our Verge weekend, which is our fourth and fifth grade weekend, but we're also doing our The Weekend for Student Ministry, which is sixth through twelfth grade. And for the very first time in 15 years, we put both of those events on the very same weekend uh, to help your schedule and to help your family and to help your date life. And, and so date your wife on Valentine's weekend. We will take care of the children. And, and so you start planning and get your kids signed up for this weekend. Uh, you, you can uh, do that in the lobby of your campus on, on your way out, but then there's some kind of text thing. What, help me remember that. Uh, TC Next Gen. TC Next Gen to 555-8888. Yeah, there it is. Three eights, five 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 eight eight eight. Okay, and, and so TC next gen text. You can sign your kids up right now at your chair if you will do that text. And, and it's in weekends like that, that that the anointing of God falls on kids' lives. It, it, it's in weekends like that where they're starving the flesh and feasting the spirit. Where where kids come out of weekends like that and they're like, Hey, it was that weekend when I was called to ministry. It was that weekend when God made it clear the calling on my life. It was that weekend where where I made a pursuit towards a purity in my life. It was that weekend. So get your kids signed up uh, for that weekend. And today... I'm going to finish our series called Anointed, and what a ride it has been, uh, the, the week of prayer, the, the fasting, the, the weekday at noon times, the, the worship night, the breakthroughs, amazing ride we've been on the last several weeks. And I want to finish this series, uh, Anointed, today by talking about anointed prayers. And prayer is such an interesting subject. Uh, I, I liken it to uh, flossing your teeth. Uh, we, we all know we need to do it, but most find a way out of it or a way to avoid it. And to those of us who are anal retentive about flossing, to you, we say you're gross. And, and you should floss on a regular basis. I've, I've shared this confession before. My wife flosses not, not very often. And she's never had a cavity her whole life. I floss two or three times a day, every meal 
meal, brush three or four times a day, and have had a whole set of cavities in, in my life. And so it doesn't have anything to do with hygiene, but you should floss. In fact, dentists say if you're going to give up one or the other, brushing or flossing, you should give up brushing. That, that flossing is such a big deal. But when you liken it to prayer, we all understand it. Because if I were to survey everyone in every campus today, and even those of you watching online, every one of you would agree prayer is important. And it's not that we don't think prayer is important. And it's not that we don't think that prayer is effective. Honestly, the problem is, is that we struggle with it. We don't know the words to use, or we don't know if we're doing it right, or, or good, or bad, or, or somewhere in between. And we definitely don't take the time to figure it out. We want prayer to be quick and easy, just like everything else in our lives. And, and ever since fast food restaurants have, have taken over every corner of every city in our nation, uh, we think that everything in our lives should be the same, convenient and quick and easy. And, and why can't I get through a church service in, in less than an hour? I can get a fully prepared meal in my car, in, in a drive through in just a matter of minutes. I should be able to have this dynamic and growing and intimate relationship with God without ever leaving my bed or, or getting out of my pajamas. And, and to those who are watching online, we're speaking to you today. And, and that we've been treating prayer a lot like fast food. And, and you don't believe me, I want to show you what I'm talking about. Just, let's just look at three of the fast food slogans over the years that we'll all be very familiar with. Uh, Burger King, have it your way. I don't remember the last time I went to a Burger King, but the slogan was have it your way, which is exactly how we treat prayer. We want it our way right away. And we know exactly what we want and we want it now. Here's my list, God, and I really need all of this done by 12. And then we peace out and we walk away from God and we think, well, I told him, isn't that enough for me to just tell him what I, what I need? And if we don't get the answer we want from prayer, we are personally offended with God. And if we don't get the answer we want when we want it, we take up an offense and we've been so babied by the conveniences in this life that we live that we expect our prayers to be answered on demand. And God is not on demand. God is in command. And we come underneath him. Let me show you another one. Domino's pizza, 30 minutes or free. Anybody ever ordered it and timed them, you know, and tried to, you know, get one free from the kid that's making minimum wage and you're harassing him because he didn't know how to get to your house. When I was a teenager, we used to give him one house off, uh, you know, because my parents were going to work and we were trying to figure out how to get it for free because we didn't have any money. And, and, you know, and then they would call and we were like, hey, no, you're at the wrong place next door and it's free. And they're like, no, it's not free. You tried to screw us over. And, 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 but but I, I heard they removed this whole uh, thing. They had to because these kids driving the cars were getting in all kinds of car accidents because they were driving through intersections and trying to not be docked uh, for giving a free pizza away. But all of this has conditioned us. It's conditioned us to do and expect things in very short spans of time. And so now we have 20-minute workouts, and now we have 15-minute meetings, and it's why we hate the DMV, and it's why we detest sitting at red lights behind the moron that's looking at their phone and won't go when it, when it turns green. It's why we hate slow internet, right? Here's my favorite one of the day, not favorite restaurant, but favorite slogan, Freaky Fast by Jimmy Johns. It's freaky fast. And I would agree, it's freaky fast. And it's freaky. 
I, I don't like the sandwiches. I, in fact, I don't like cold sandwiches. I want it warm and I want it hot or it doesn't even feel like a meal to me. But, but it's freaky. It's freaky. You just want a, a freaky experience. Go into a Jimmy John's and, and you walk in before the door hits you in the butt. They are asking you, can I take your order? I'm like, can I look at the board? I've been here one nanosecond. I'm entitled at least a second, one full second before you harass me about my order and you take the order and you pay, you put the credit card thing in and before your credit card thing is even done, they're barking at you to take it out and the sandwich is ready. That's too fast. I don't trust you. I don't know what you did to do that. Slow down and enjoy your job for a minute. Pretty soon you'll walk in and just throw the sandwich at you and say, get out, you know. And, 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 but we want our prayers answered freaky fast. And, and, and give me what I want before I even ask is really where we want to be, right? And so, God, can I tell you what I want, what I really, really want? And, and, and Jesus, listen, he, he told us that your father knows what you're praying about before you ever even ask him. And that's true, but he still told us to ask. Because the value of prayer is not in receiving the answer. The, the power of prayer is in the experience you have with your heavenly Father. And, and the power of anointed prayers is in the intimacy that you cultivate with Him and, and with the Holy Spirit that lives with inside you. An anointed prayer, what is it? That's a good question. And I think some of us think the power of our prayer is determined by the tone of our voice or the pitch of our voice, or, or how many dear Lords we can get in. Just confession. It bothers me when people say dear Lord 88 times in, in a prayer. It bothers me. That's the ADD tick that I have. I'm like, oh, well, you don't ever come up to me and go, hey, Alex, what I want, Alex, what I, Alex, 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 Alex. But, 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 it, but we think that somehow prayers are more spiritual if we say dear Lord every three words, or, or, or how many big words that we can put into our prayers, or how hard we shut our eyes, or did we break a sweat, you know, when, when we were praying. An anointed prayer, whatever it is, it's none of those things. Well, what is anointed prayer? That's a great question. And I'm glad you asked it this morning. And the answer is, I don't know. To which you would think, what have you been doing all week? Shouldn't you have figured that out before you preached on it on, on, on Sunday morning? And, the, and, and I tried. I tried to figure it out. That's the truth. I tried all week to figure it out. And the truth is, I still don't know exactly what it is. But we're going to go look at one passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8. You got your Bible. Turn to Romans chapter 8. And, and Paul is talking about walking in the Spirit. It's one of my favorite chapters. It's best, maybe one of the best chapters in the whole Bible is Romans 8. And, and, and this whole chapter is talking about being anointed and how to walk it out. And right in the middle of this chapter, he starts talking about prayer in the umbrella and subject of being anointed. So we know they're related. And when you read this text, in fact, we'll read it, and then we'll come back and we'll unpack it, and we'll kind of just work our way through it, okay? So let's begin in Romans 8 and verse 26. And it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. See, I told you, we don't know, right? The most anointed prayer is a prayer we don't know how to pray. But, but watch what he says. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. V verse 27, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit 
pleads for us believers in harmony with the will of God. So, so number one, write this down. Anointed prayer is praying in the Spirit. And there is a wide range of debate uh, about what that phrase, uh, praying with groanings that can't be prayed, means. And and I want you to hear me as I say this. We're not going to solve this debate today. Not even my intention. And by the way, even if we were able to solve this debate 100% for sure, one way or, or the other, it still would not change what we're attempting to do. And that is to understand that anointed prayer is powerful prayer. And it is only powerful prayer because it is led and directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So, so let's take a look at this passage. Let's break it down and let it sort of help us see exactly what praying in the Spirit is. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit prays for us. He prays for us, okay? And so what does that mean? Jesus told his disciples and us that he was going away and that if he went away, he would send the helper who is the Holy Spirit. And when you and I put all of our faith and all of our trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters our lives and he helps us. He helps us a lot and and in a lot of different ways. And that's the key to the anointing because that's what it means to be anointed is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the anointing is essential because the Holy Spirit helps us. What does he help us do? He helps us overcome temptation. He gives us words to speak when we don't know what to speak. He opens our minds to the truth and he helps us to pray. So how does he help us pray? And and that word that the Holy Spirit prays for us is really the word intercede. That's the word that's there, to intercede. Intercede means that you do something on behalf of someone else. And so intercessory prayer is the prayer when you are praying for or on behalf of somebody else. That's what that is. And so if you're, pray, if you're praying in the place of someone else, you are interceding or going in the middle for them. Now, how does the Holy Spirit intercede for us? Well, now you see the nature of the debate. Because what does it mean the Holy Spirit intercedes for us? Does it mean that he goes to the Father and prays prayers that we can't understand directly to the Father? Or does it mean that, that he, he prays prayers through the believer in, in, in some uh, unknown tongue? And can the Holy Spirit pray to the Father? Aren't they both God? How would God pray to uh, God? And didn't Jesus at one time uh, pray to God? But was that because he was still on earth? And, and now that he's in heaven, is he still praying to God? You have a headache yet? The point is it's hard to comprehend, right? And so let's, let's just unpack this a little bit further. That same Greek word for intercede or that the Spirit prays for us is also used in the Old Testament. In the Greek Old Testament, that Greek word is used and it is used to mean to argue against, to come up against, or to throw yourself at. And the idea that Paul is laying out is this. When you come up against something as a child of God full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes up against it and comes up against what you have come up against. And when you encounter a problem in life, instead of throwing your hands up and saying, I don't know what we're going to do, lean into the Holy Spirit and he will come up against that which is coming up against you. The the Bible says that the Holy Spirit prays for us, but watch what it goes on to say. With groanings, 
What are groanings? And what does it mean to groan? Well, it's the same thing as to complain. When, when we come up against something that we can't get control over and we can't deal with and we can't get around, what do we do? We complain. We groan about it. And, and that obviously has a negative connotation. But this word also has a positive connotation in Scripture. I think it's in Mark chapter 7 where it says in verse 34 that Jesus groaned to heaven. And he sighed, and then he healed the deaf man, okay? And so Jesus groaned and sighed to heaven, and then he healed somebody. So clearly, there's a right way to do this groaning and a wrong way to do this groaning. And, and, and the wrong way is to handle it in our flesh. We groan and we complain. But in the Spirit, those groanings are turned into prayers for help. How does he do that? Well, well look at what the Bible go, goes on to say. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Now, this is where this verse gets tricky. And this is where you see a juncture in, in the road or a fork in the road between two different theological circles and two di different theological uh, groups of people with two sides to the equation. And, and because that one little phrase cannot be expressed in words. What does that mean? And when you do a study like I have done for decades and look at Bibles, and look at Bible dictionaries, and look at Bible uh, tools, and commentaries, and sermons on all of this, here's what you find. There are two opinions on this. The first opinion is that the Holy Spirit Himself is speaking words we cannot understand directly to the Father. The other interpretation of this is that the, the Holy Spirit is speaking through the believer in an unknown tongue. And here is the thing. Those scholars who believe in speaking in tongues obviously believe that that's the way you interpret that text. Those scholars who don't believe in speaking in tongues take the other approach altogether. And, and, and so who's right? Well, if you're here today and you believe in speaking in tongues, I'm sure you think this path is right. If you're here today and you don't believe in speaking in tongues, I'm sure you think this path is, is right. But, but what I want you to hear me say is, is who's right and who's wrong and what do you do with all this? My answer to that is, does it really matter? Does it really even matter at all? Because the point of this verse is not who's right and who's wrong or who can speak in tongues and should we all speak in tongues. The, the central idea of this passage, I already told you, is anointed praying. And if you think that you can only be anointed in your praying by praying in tongues, you're wrong. That's not right, and that's not true. You say, how do you know that? Some of the most anointed people I know do not pray in tongues. And some of the most anointed people I know do pray in tongues. So that can't be the issue, and that can't be the divide. The point is that there are some prayers that we pray that go beyond words. And whether you are speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit is speaking through you or the Holy Spirit is speaking on your behalf to your heavenly Father, when you pray anointed prayers, the power of our prayers will go beyond our words. When my 15-year-old boy was two years old, he drowned in a swimming pool. And they said he won't make it. And he was in ICU. And they said if he does make it, he will be brain dead. If he makes it at all, that's the best case scenario. And in that moment, with all that turmoil and all that confusion, do you know what I could pray? And the only word I could come up with in all of my prayer time and with all of my theological training was this one word, breathe. Breathe. 
And that's not going to make it into any of your prayer journals. It's not going to get me a psalm with my name on it in in, in Scripture. But it did get me my son back, and that's all I cared about in in that moment. And so I want to give you some practical advice here. When we talk about prayer going beyond our words, we're not so much talking about developing a prayer language. We are talking about having an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father that produces in our lives a desire and a prompting to pray. And it could be at your job, it could be at your school, it could be at your home getting ready for all of that, or anywhere in between. But you feel something come on you, and you have to pray in that moment. That's what we're talking about. It's a prompting, and it's a feeling, and it's something on the inside of you. And it continues to feel like it has to come out. And, and you don't have the words, or maybe you just have one word in that moment. But, but you just got to get it out. And the result of having a relationship with God this powerful relationship, is this playing out in your lives? And if you don't feel that, listen, I'm not saying that your prayers are are not anointed, but I am saying if you don't feel that from time to time as a child of God, and you would say that your prayer life needs some help and is not all that great, then you need to do a heart check. And and, and you need to do an EKG on on your prayer life. What's an EKG? I don't know what it is in real life, but I, I, I want to tell you what it is in this sermon. And, and it's E and K and, and it's G. And, and so I want you to take a look at this. And if these three things aren't present in your prayer life, then it's time to make some changes, positive changes, in the way that you pray. Here's the E. Anointed prayer energizes us. It strengthens us. It it deals with our weaknesses. Look look at uh, what he says in verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. What what does he mean by weaknesses? What what about us is weak? Well, almost everything. And and so first of all, you're weak and you know that you need to pray. And so you, you begin to pray and you don't know how to pray. And so it's like a double weakness, which is all messed up in the lives of the children of God. But, but it's all of us, by the way. And we all fall under this condition. We are weak and we don't even know how to pray about our weakness. And where does that come from? Well, let's back up in Romans 8, just a few verses, okay? Back up to verse 22. For we know that all of creation, all of it, has been groaning. There's that word again. Has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to now, right up to this present time. Now, why is all of creation groaning? It says that creation is groaning. Why? Verse 20 tells us because of the curse of God. The curse of God on all of creation when Adam and Eve sinned. And and, and because they sinned, all of earth is paying the price. What is the price? Well, verse 21 tells us death and, and decay. So we're under this curse. But what about the believers? Well, Paul addresses it. Look what he says in verse 23. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of this future glory of God. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and from suffering. In other words, we're not living in sin because we're the children of God, but we still suffer the effects of sin on this planet. Look at what he says. We too wait with eager hope for the day, that day when God will give us the full rights as he has adopted us as his children. 
and the full rights that come to us as the adopted children of God, including the new bodies that, that he has promised us. Look what he says in verse 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. So this weakness that we feel, even though we're believers, is because of the curse of sin. And because we suffer under this curse, we are weak. And we're so weak, we can't even come up with the words to pray. But when we do pray in the Spirit, an anointed prayer, we are energized. That's the E, okay? Here's the K. Anointed prayer helps us know. That's the K. Helps us know who? Helps us know God and helps us know ourselves. Anointed prayer gets to the heart. And the anointed prayer releases who God is to us and reveals who God is to us. And so that we know him and then we know who we are in him. Look at verse 27. And the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying. The power of anointed prayer is not in the results. The power of the anointed prayer is in the relationship. We think the reason we pray is to be heard and to get something from God. But the whole goal of anointed prayer is to get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to Him. And the closer we get to Him, the more we know about Him. And the more we know about Him, the more we know about ourselves. And so there are things at times in our lives that are a little bit off or or, or a little wonky. And we don't know and can't explain why or, or, or how, but when we are engaged in anointed prayer, the Spirit of God cuts through all the noise and goes directly to our hearts. That's what this is all about. Let, let, let me give you the G. Anointed prayer guides us. It guides us towards the will of God, towards God's will. Anointed prayer launches us into the center of God's will for our lives. Look, look, look at what it says about the Spirit. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. The, the Spirit is praying God's will for you and, and, and over you. An anointed prayer uh, pushes us past our own will for our lives and takes us right to the heart of God and His will for us. When we commit to anointed prayer, our will is aligned with the will of God and our desires come into alignment and our passions come into alignment and our wants come into alignment. And as we come into alignment, something else begins to take place in our prayer lives. Our prayers are transformed and they go to a whole nother level. We go from begging for scraps to experiencing the glory of the King of Kings. I've shared this a few times in the last few months, but God just took me in the book of Revelation about three months ago. And He gave me a picture of prayer. And it's been there all along. I've read it multiple times, but it just jumped off the pages about three months ago for me in a whole new way. If those of you who are not familiar with what the revelation is, the revelation is the revelation that God gave John when he took him into heaven. And he took him into the temple, not the earthly temple. He took him into the heavenly temple, into the throne room of God Almighty, and he let him see it. Some scholars call it that he went to the third heaven. He didn't go to the first or the second, but he went to the third heaven. And in that place, he got to see a vision. And it was a revelation of what's happening in heaven. And he got to pen it for us. 
And in that revelation, one of the things we see is this incense bowl that is presented before the throne of thrones. And and when you read about it, Revelation chapter 5, I think in verse 8, it says, in that incense bowl are, are the prayers of the saints. Do you know what that means? It means that every prayer you've ever prayed, God collected it and it did not fall on deaf ears and he knows what it is. He knows when it was prayed and he's held on to it. There's not been a data breach in heaven. There's not some data loss in heaven that when the children of God pray, God keeps those prayers and he knows everyone. And he's not forgotten a syllable of any one of them. They they bring this sweet aroma to the Lord. Incense was was a part of the worship in the Old Testament in the temple. And it was a part of the Old Testament temple because it was a picture of what was really going on in heaven. In the Old Testament, they would burn these fragrant smells. And the picture was the smoke would lift like prayers and like worship and like praise to, to the heavenly Father. And he would receive them. In heaven, the prayers are the same. It's this incense. And it says it's the prayers of the saints. Which means it's not just the prayer of a saint. It's the prayers of the saints. And so when the saints are unified in what they are praying, it is even more a beautiful smell to the nostrils of God Almighty and to the King of Kings that they came together and they are agreeing on this and they are praying for this. And and in that moment, the Bible says, and the fire of God came into that incense bowl. What's the fire of God? It's the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit joined the prayers of the saints. And it's praying for us while we don't even know how to pray. And it's praying on behalf of us. And so when the Spirit of God comes into the saints' prayers and they agree with one another, in other words, we are praying the very heart of God, it's a beautiful thing to your Heavenly Father. And it says there are moments when that bucket is so full that it is then by the Holy Spirit poured out onto the earth. In other words, what we are praying on earth can affect change on earth through heaven. This morning I was trying to think of what, what, what is the picture. And by the way, this has revolutionized my prayer life. Just this imagery. I, I am a prayer and I believe in prayer. And, and I think sometimes I have the gift of the big ask. There's a K on the end of that. <laughs> I think God gives me faith. It's a gift to believe him for big things and to believe for you for big things. And, uh, but, but now in the morning when I wake up, first thing, before anybody else is awake, before my feet ever hit the floor, my mind goes to this image in heaven. And I just envision the prayers that I'm about to pray being slam dunked in this bucket that sits before God on the throne of thrones. And the very first thing out of my mouth is, God, what are you doing? What are you doing today? What what, what, what are you up to today? What do you want me to pray about today? And I let him direct the prayer list because I want it to be prayers that he's praying. I want to agree with the Holy Spirit about what he's praying about. And he will take my mind to people sometimes I haven't seen in 30 years. I'm not thinking about them. God's thinking about them. And he takes my heart to that place and I begin to pray for that person. And I envision as I'm getting out of the bed, God saying, hey, thank you for praying with me. 
And I'm about to pour this out on where that person is on this planet and I'm going to do something in them. And sometimes he'll take me to one of you and sometimes he'll take me to a face. I don't even know your name and I'm praying for you and I'm seeing in heaven those prayers being poured out on your family and on your finances and on your health and on the things that you are groaning about. And he will take me there. It's a beautiful picture. This morning I was trying to think and I'll just confess to you. I'm a list maker. Man, I make lists about making lists. I'm a list maker. I do it on steno pads. I do it on legal pads. I'll do it on a napkin. I'll do it on a scrap sheet of paper. And here's what happens. I'll start a new one any given moment. A whole new list. And so sometimes I get confused in my list. And and sometimes I'll misplace one. Sometimes I misplace it for a few months. I don't know what Meredith did with it. But sometimes I'll carry it in my back pocket. I usually have a list in my back pocket. And so a bunch of my lists have blue ink all over them from my blue jeans. And I'll pull them out and these creases are in them. And, and they're things I'm praying about. And they're things I'm talking to God about. And, and, and they're things that God is doing. And sometimes I'll be on a golf course and I'll just pull that list out while I'm waiting to hit a shot. And I'll just look at a prayer and I'll just talk to God and say, God, what are you doing? And I'll put it back in my pocket. And, and I'm just asking God about what he's doing. But I make these lists and I bring lists to God. And I'll just confess to you, there are moments, there are things on my list I've been praying about for a long, long, long time. And there are moments where I get really frustrated with the Lord. And, and, and I'll look at the list and I'll say, God, I've been praying this a long time. I even wrote it down. God, what are you doing? Why aren't you answering my prayers? And, and, and by the way, there's a whole lot of joy in the way I'm praying now because I know he's going to answer the prayers that he puts on my heart. When I say, God, what are you praying about? And I join God in what he's praying about. It's spirit-led, spirit-directed. He's going to answer it. It's a whole lot of fun in praying a prayer. You know he's going to answer because it's what he's praying already. And I'm trying to think through how to create an image for you. And I thought about one this morning. Have you ever been to a water park or these splash pads that they create for children to play on in the hot summer sweltering days? There are these poles that go way up and they come across like a T and, and suspended from them are these big buckets. Some of them like five or 10 gallon buckets. Some of them they're shaped like a triangle or a cone and, and the water is filling into these buckets. And, and while the water is filling into the buckets, apparently it appears that nothing is going on. But you and I both know something is going on. It, it just hadn't, getting, it hadn't gotten to the breaking point yet. And the children instinctively know the bucket is just being filled and so they're scattered everywhere. There's just a few of them waiting under it. But the children somehow instinctively know that bucket's getting full. And when that bucket's getting full, the audience under that bucket grows because all the children come and they're standing under it and they're just waiting and they can see the bucket swinging now because it's overflowing from the brim and it's filling and it's filling and it's filling. And eventually that bucket will turn and will dump all that water goodness on the kids on that hot, hot, hot summer day. What an incredible picture of what's taking place in heaven. The children of God are putting those prayers in there. And it appears nothing is happening. It appears that he's not hearing. It appears that he has a deaf ear. But they are being collected. 
And they are getting into that place. And when they join with the Spirit of God and the fire falls in that bucket, it is dumped out on the church. It is dumped out on the children of God. It is dumped out on those people you are praying for. And we're joining with with, with Him. And church, it's swinging. It's swinging. The bucket is swinging. And the Spirit of God is coming into it. And when we come before Him and say, what are you saying? Because what you're saying is what I'm praying. Because you're leading this thing. What you're saying, Holy Spirit, that's what I'm praying. I am agreeing with you in your heart, in your will, and in your way. And our prayers are joined with the prayers of every son and daughter who is sensitive to the Spirit of God, praying in unison what it is that God is saying. And so I just want to lead you in a concert of prayer. At every campus, I just want you to take your heart and your will and submit it and surrender it to the heart of God. Place it beneath His and ask Him for the agenda. It's not that we don't bring lists to the Lord. I bring my list. And I'm faithful to ask and seek and knock. I just keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking. But but there's a real joy that comes from an anointed prayer. And an anointed prayer is led by the Spirit of God. And so as you take your heart and posture it under His, let your body and the posture of your body follow. If I could just push you even a little further out of your comfort zone today, what are you saying, God? What what, what are you saying? I want you to spend a few minutes praying that, but I want your posture to follow what the Lord is saying to you. And so maybe you need to get on your knees right there at your chair. Maybe you just need to sit with your hands on your lap and you're just your head bowed. Maybe you need to stand and lift your hands like something's falling out of heaven onto you as you're asking God to show you what he's praying. But let's just at every camp, let's just, just spend a few minutes and let's go to that place where we're asking God, God, what are you saying? Because what you're saying is what I'm praying. Just go there. Let's pray together.